pickup truck. Meanwhile, WWE stopped its scheduled tapings today after it announced that developmental talent had tested positive for the coronavirus. The person who tested positive for the coronavirus was at a WWE Performance Center on June the 9th as a member of the audience during the tapings of a show. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced the U.S. Open will be held on its scheduled dates late August, August the 31st through September the 13th in Queens, New York. I'm David Gascon. We are the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, Cash Valley. Happy, <laughs> happy Tuesday to you. Uh, hope you're all safe out there. Wicked weather. Yeah, if, especially if you're in Box Brothers County, you got a pretty nasty thunderstorm heading your way. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Weather report brought to you by Eric Hansen. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a little gloomy. Supposed to get better throughout the week, though. So that's quite a storm today. I didn't expect this. I don't know why I, I wasn't. You didn't expect it. <laughs> you called me the weather guy, but we knew this was coming yesterday uh, morning. Uh, I I wasn't paying attention. Well, need to do better, weather man. <laughs> Apparently, I did. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. 402 is your kickoff time here on 106 NFM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Uh, some things to get to. We'll talk some NBA. Adam Silver hopped on Sports Center and he had some comments, uh, especially talking about the quick turnaround from this end of the season to next season. We'll talk some MLB baseball. It's just. The players say they want to play. They just want a place to play and an opponent in a field. Let's go. The problem is, is there's got to be money involved. So it sounds hypocritical. Uh, Craig Hislop, the legendary Craig Hislop, met with Craig Onder and uh, uh, had a discussion with him uh, for an interview. So we'll play that today. And then Eric will, and I will get into our favorite Aggie football seasons. So we, uh, we both have what seasons we like the most. And we'd like to have you participate. What is your favorite Aggie football season? We'll read your answers on air. You can text in at 435-339-0321 or call in at 435-752-1069. Uh, Eric, the NBA has uh, been in discussion about returning. We all kind of know the story by now. It's been beaten like a dead horse. Uh, they were set and ready to go to play. And then here came Kyrie Irving as uh, one has been calling him the disruptor. Uh, he had some comments. And kind of creating a coalition. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, they're not part of the official players association. They're just a group of players that are that share kind of some common concerns. And wanting to make sure that the, the return to play doesn't dis- distract from an important discussion going on in our country right now about um, you know, social issues, and um, and that there's that, and there are also some concerns about you know, living in a bubble for three months. Even though you're in Walt Disney World, hanging out with Walt Disney World in your backyard, we still have issues supposedly. Uh, yeah, and and so Adam Silver jumped on Sports Center this morning and had some comments, uh, and actually some pretty uh. Detailing comments just of, of what life is going to be like this season, what life is going to be like after the season. And he talks about the quick turnaround and the just 
the uh, the break time between the seasons is going to be very short, and for owners and GMs, it's going to be very busy. We go to the draft, which we've tentatively scheduled for October 15th, and then we look roughly for a return to training camp sometime in November, and very tentatively, we'd be looking to start um, next season in early December. That is a very quick turnaround for them. He also noted that it wouldn't, it's not the first time. This isn't unprecedented. Well, the way this is being, I mean, what is causing this is unprecedented. But for a quick turnaround is not unprecedented. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, um, all have something very in common. They've been through this. Why? Because they've been in the Olympics. And when you go play an NBA season in the NBA Finals, turn around, go play in the Olympics, turn around, get right back to team camp. Not a lot of time to go to the beach and hang out with your family. So this is not really new for some more of these highlight star players. Yeah, that's true. If you're a, a premier player and you're playing deep into the playoffs, uh, you're already adding two months compared to, well, maybe not full two months, but close to two months, month and a half at least, of uh, the, your average NBA player. And then... If you're in an even more elite class and go to the uh, to the Olympics, you have a training camp that takes place. Then you go play qualifier games. You have tune-up games. Then you got to go to the Olympics and uh, and, and compete and a very high-level competition. And, uh, and then you come home and it's just a short turnaround before you're heading back to to training camp again. Uh, so yeah, it, it it's true. It's not. There are some athletes that they have been through this before, but for the league, by and large, this is very unusual for the rest of them. And so for the theme of everybody, the one word that comes to mind when you have to do such a short turnaround is sacrifice. This is incredibly unique circumstance, and what we're trying to do has never been done before, before as far as I know, to, to find a way you know, to create our own sense of normality through all these incredibly difficult societal forces. And so, as I said, sacrifice in terms of the amount of turnaround, sacrifice in terms of how these players, coaches, referees, and others will be living on this campus, that's all going to be part of this. And, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. If there's anything that Silver is good at doing, it's not sugarcoating things. He's been very upfront and honest about everything going on. Uh, but with this, he still feels it, and he is confident, and he's not like uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner for MLB. He's confident there will be basketball. My sense is we're going to be able to work through most of those issues over the next few weeks. But as, but as I said, that we, we also have an arrangement with the Players Association where if a player chooses not to come, it's not a breach of his contract, we accept that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, did, I mean, did the NBA handle it right? That if you don't feel comfortable playing in Florida, you can go home. No, no, uh, no gripes or complaints from the NBA itself. I don't know. I, I, I think since they're not bringing everybody back, since not every team, not every player will be participating because there are still legitimate concerns by some people about coronavirus. Uh, I think that um, I think the NBA had to say that. I think they had to make that available. Hmm. And we just talked about him not sugarcoating things. Uh, here's his conversation: what it was like with the players. We 
work through all of those issues in terms of health and safety, what the environment will be like on the campus. But I can only say it may not be for everyone. I mean, it will entail enormous sacrifice on behalf of those players and, and for everyone involved, the coaches, the referees. Listen, it's not an ideal situation. We're, we're trying to find a way to our own normal in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of essentially a recession or worse with 40 million unemployed, and now with enormous social unrest in the country. And so as, as we work through these issues, I can understand how some players may feel that it's not for them. Now, with all that, there is still concern about safety and the health of the players uh, for themselves. Just, I mean, without even fans being there, but just in, uh, for themselves as players. And the question is, uh, how much testing can we get done? For Adam, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there, there has been uh, a few spikes around the country with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a spike here, obviously, as we've talked about over the last week to ten days. Um, there are increases going on in Arizona. Another place where there are increases happening, Orange County, Florida, in which resides Walt Disney World Resort. Go figure. So with that, daily testing, according to Adam Silver, is going to be absolutely monumental. We're going to be daily testing. I think that's one of the best safeguards for them. Um, Of course, if we do get a positive test, we'll be very specifically tracing exactly what contacts those people had. And then we'll be continuing. We'll be isolating anybody who tests positive. But those are the sort of protocols we're putting in place. Here's the question. And I don't mean to be this guy. But if LeBron James tests positive, Lakers are in deep, deep trouble. I mean, serious trouble. If someone, a star player on a contending team test positive for COVID and they have to, because when they have to quarantine, right, for like yep. 14 days, yep, they're done. They aren't, they aren't getting anywhere. If it's James Harden, LeBron James, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Gordon Hayward, Jason, I mean, anybody, these star caliber players test positive, they're wiped from postseason. I mean, I think there's, I think that's for some teams, that's probably the scariest, the scariest thing. If you lose a star player because he tests positive, you're left out to dry. With the playoffs, or I mean, with the playoffs coming up, or in the midst of a playoff run. Well, I think it really tests. You know, how does the rest of the team respond? You know, do you have some other star power that can help? Obviously, you lose a superstar, and that's going to affect affect your team really bad. But if you're the Lakers, and you've still got Anthony Davis, and it really depends on at what point. Does he get it? Is it possible that maybe LeBron James early on in the eight-game schedule gets tested positive and he's isolated and he can't play for two weeks or for 14 days and then he resumes can resume and rejoin the team and they're in the later stages of the first round of the playoffs? Not that big a deal. I think they could get through the first round just fine without him. But what if it happens and he's isolated during the uh, the Western Conference Finals? Or the NBA Finals. That's just—it's just a tough draw. It just—what else can you do? You have to isolate them. You can't—if that's going to be the plan. And that's what a lot of these other leagues are talking about—is isolating the individual, doing contact tracing, monitoring everybody else, but resuming play 
You don't have to shut down the team. You don't have to shut down the league just because one person tests positive. So Shams just came out with an article about six minutes ago. It's on The Athletic, uh, and it details the schedule, phase one, phase two, phase three, so on and so forth, about players uh, and the schedule that will be ahead to resume the season July 30th at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Phase 1, of course, is from June 12th to 22nd. That's the location. For players who are currently outside the United States, they should have by now returned home to their uh, team's home market, and and all other players must return to their team's home market by June 22nd for mandatory testing beginning on June 23rd. The only exception, Toronto Raptors, who due to quarantine and travel issues in Canada, will directly travel to Naples, Florida, and use the uh, Ali- was it Alico Arena in uh, Florida Gulf Coast University at their practice facility. Now, players may work out at their team facility on a voluntary basis. Only individual workouts will be permitted, and players must contact their team to schedule any workouts or treatment sessions. Uh, phase 2 would be 23rd through the 30th, so you're looking at about a week from today. Um... Again, team practice at facility. Consistent with Phase 1, players are expected to remain at home with their household members, only leaving for essential activities. Uh, They'll begin mandatory COVID-19 testing of all players and staff, and testing will consist of shallow nasal swab and oral swab COVID-19 PCR test and a blood draw. Uh, The long swab that has been reported to cause discomfort will not be used. And then players may also volunteer to participate in a Yale University study that has the goal of developing a saliva-based test for the coronavirus. Um, player non-participation. Uh, non-participated players who are either excused or protected will not have their salary reduced as a result, as a result of their non-participation. Uh, July 1st through the 9th and 10th 11th, team practice facility except for Toronto Raptors. July 7th through 11th will be NBA campus at Walt Disney World. Uh, the, through the 21st, uh, teams may engage in group workouts, practice, weight training, meetings, and other team activities. Uh, and there's a long list of things, 22nd through 29th, NBA campus will be at the Walt Disney World again. Teams will play three scrimmage games against other NBA teams residing in their same hotel from July 22nd through the, uh, end of the 2019-20 season. Players are permitted to socialize with players and team staff from hotels, other than the one in which they are residing. As before, players are not permitted to enter each other's hotels, rooms due to infection concerns, and then, of course, from July 30th to October 13th, teams will play eight seeding games to conclude the 1920 regular season, followed by a playing tournament for the eight seed in each conference and a traditional 16-team four-round seven-game NBA playoffs. Questions? I know it's a lot to digest, but you can find it on well, The Athletic. Yeah, basically just details... Uh, lays out a calendar, which I think a lot of people have been curious about. Yeah. When do you report to your home team? How long do you do stuff at your home team uh, site before you travel as a team to Orlando? How long will they be in Orlando before games actually begin? So uh, I think it's, it's at least interesting to provide some of those details. I think the question everybody's still asking is, what time do we play? How far do we go well, yeah, until they find out? What does that schedule out? look like? The, the game schedules. I mean, do we find out maybe like three or four days before? A week before? Because if they're all gathered at the campus by July 10th, they won't probably know their game time until maybe the week before. Would you imagine? For the uh, the eight games of the regular yeah, season? Yeah, the eight games. Oh, I'd imagine they'd put that together pretty soon. 
They I, have I think to we would know way before then. For TV network pause, I mean, yeah. questions you got to get that scheduled right? out, yeah. So you know what time everyone's going to... Unless you just say, you know what, we're going to televise NBA basketball on ESPN for 10 hours straight. Well, I, I doubt that. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some on ESPN. TNT will probably have some games. NBA TV will probably have some games. ABC. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they may throw some on ABC on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, get some of the more uh, highlight reel, or I guess uh, elite teams, if you will, and put them on there. Uh, do you still feel like this will start on July 30th, this season? Well, one of the things that uh, Adam Silver talked about last night is that he feels he feels confident enough that those concerns that have been brought up by this coalition of players, that they will they can be addressed and that shouldn't halt the uh, the resumption of play for the NBA. Um, you know, some of the things that they're concerned about is that, look, just playing games, uh, wearing a T-shirt or doing something during the national anthem, that sends a message, but that doesn't really do quite enough because now they're talking about uh, can, can the NBA do some things structurally to improve hiring practices for head coaches, for general managers, um, for presidents, uh, for higher-level positions in these organizations. Because while there are a lot of the athletes that are, that are black, the upper-level management isn't. And so they're saying that you know, there's a lot of things that still need to be worked through and need to be addressed, more so than just, hey, you'll have a platform when these games resume and you can wear a shirt with a message on it or write something on your shoes, that doesn't quite go far enough. Which is one of the many reasons why Damian Lillard says their minds really aren't on basketball right now. I think as far as the racial injustice, I think that's where um, a lot of the struggle is for a lot of athletes. I think our our league is made up of so many African-American, majority African-American players, and a lot of our hearts are with our people. You know, our our mind is with our people, and um, we feel like we should be a part of that. You know, we should be a part of that that fight, and that's where the struggle is. I think that's where you're hearing a lot of um, guys kind of coming out saying, you know, maybe we should be focused on that instead of worrying about you know going back in and jumping into the season. Kind of an interesting viewpoint from his as a star player on a semi-contending team that's going to be in Orlando. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things is that um, you know Avery Bradley is one of the, these players that's speaking out, uh, and I think it's important to note that he is on the LA Lakers. So the the voices that we have been hearing mostly are from those f- players from teams that are fringe teams about being contenders. Like Kyrie Irving is not on a contender. Um, he's not going to be able to play this summer uh, if. By chance, his shoulder had healed and Kevin Durant was ready to go. It could be a very different situation for Brooklyn in the in these playoffs. But he's not on a contender. In fact, they may not even want him to be there because he, if he's not going to play, why should he even be in attendance? But that's a good point. Damian Lillard is on a team that's fighting for a playoff position, but they're not a contender. So the fact that Avery Bradley, he's with the LA Lakers. He is on the leading contender, so it's not just those players on the fringe teams that are speaking up. Yeah, there's yeah, that, and that's a great point you bring up. I think the other concern uh, 
is well, I guess you already said it. It's just guys like Kyrie Irving who aren't like who aren't even gonna play. Why are you there? Like, are you just there for distraction? Are you gonna try and get out your message during the middle of the game? Because you know media's gonna want to talk to you at some point if you're there. Are you gonna get out there and say, "Well, we shouldn't be playing. This is a mistake." And are you gonna ruin the game that Adam Silver's trying to finish off the season that Adam Silver's trying to finish off just to get your message out? Boyan Bogdanovich should not be in Orlando. No, oh, for the Utah no. Jazz. No, no, he's not gonna play. He's not gonna be able to contribute. Maybe you could say, "Oh, his insights in the locker room." or in the film study could be helpful. But you know what? If he's not going to be available on the court because he's got a season-ending injury, then why, A, provide uh, put him at risk of exposure, yeah. or B, have him use up some resources? That's a good point. That, you know, he's not going to be able to play, so if, if he was going to have to be tested, well, that's one less group of tests that you'd have to uh, use for that guy that could be used for other people. Uh, really cool. I want to go back to your thoughts on uh, players not on contending teams. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski on just that. I think for a lot of people, Scott, this is this feels like, outside of the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks, they, they fear it's going to feel a little bit like a glorified summer league. That it isn't, It doesn't feel like the continuation of the season. It feels like the start of something new. And I think that's hitting people now. What's what's wrong with that? Like, what am I missing here, man? Is that, I, I know you don't play for with LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. But you're still on a team who can make some noise. And on an open court with no fans, at least for the first round, you might be able to, you know, get an upset here or there. Why is that feeling of, well, it's just a glorified scrimmage is all it is? I mean, it is weird, though, right? I mean, it's just sure. a, it's not every team that's involved. You're in a it's in a tournament-type setting. There's no fans that are there. It's going to look very, very different. It's going to play out very different. It does feel like this is the regular season is over, and this is something new. I, I kind of get that, but at the same time, the, the team's are mostly going to be what they were before the season shut down. A few players here or there won't be there. So it's going to, it absolutely is going to be different, but I don't know that it's going to be viewed as a completely different entity from the 2020 uh, or 2019, 2020 regular season. That makes sense. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, uh, Eric, uh, Craig Hislip had an interview with uh, coach Craig Onder. Yeah, uh, Green Canyon head football coach Craig Ander uh, is, you know, what do these current restrictions look like? Teams, uh, there can be some resumption with practices and things like that, but locker rooms aren't available, team camps and scrimmages. Can you be doing those? Uh, So there's a lot of questions about extracurricular activities in our uh, different schools and teams and other activities that are going on. So Craig Hislop caught up with Craig Ander, one of the, the coaches for the Green Canyon, or the head, the head coach for the Green Canyon Wolves, to kind of get his insights on what does it look like right now. We'll hear from Craig and Craig here coming up after a commercial break here on 106 on FM, 1390 AM and 106thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press, Eric France and Andre Salveson, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, 106 on the fan.com. However, wherever you're joining us, we appreciate you for doing so. 
Uh, as uh, Eric teased just before, head football coach of Green Cannon High School, Craig Ander, uh, joined Craig Kislev to talk about the, the COVID-19 uh, and the effect it's had on high school sports, the effect it's had on uh, summer workouts and such, uh, and just and, and the weirdness is like, you talked about how weird it is in the NBA. You didn't have a graduation for school for the seniors. You didn't have a spring sports season. And now you're kind of waiting to be able to have team football workouts just in high school. When I talk to some people, and Eric, I know you have an ear close to the train tracks here in the Valley better than anyone else I know. Uh, some wonder if we're going to even have a high school football season. They're so worried about it. It's, it really is unique times, Eric. Yeah, very. And there's still uncertainty. Uh, what if this spike, you know, this the recent levels of uh, infection don't really taper off very much, and we stay in a yellow? Um, you, 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 because the, the current the guidelines for the state are no gatherings of fifty or more than fifty people. So, how do you have school? Wow. And if you can't have kids in class, can you still do extracurricular activities? Can you get a football team on a sideline together? Can you put them on a field together? Because so there's it, a lot of questions about that. Stuff. And I think, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, Eric, because you've done some incredible research and study with the COVID-19 and how it affects and, and how it can maybe run from person to person. But wouldn't football and basketball be the two sports that where you're like, a lot of contact, a lot of sweat and such. Uh, can football be a part of the problem? With as much contact and such as there is, where it could trans, I uh, transfer the COVID. I don't know if the, what the correct word is, but transfer the COVID from one person to another or spread it. I should say. Uh, potentially, I don't know. I mean, I've heard. Uh, I heard from. I can't remember where it was. There's a football program. They're going to try to put some kind of a cloth covering over the front of the face mask. Oh, okay. That's so, actually kind of smart. So that guys are you know intentionally spitting, but when you're breathing and grunting and there's stuff that's going to fly out of your mouth and that may prevent it from getting into somebody else's mouth. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's some contingency plans that people are looking at, but I'm curious to hear what Craig Anders says, uh, what his team is going through and how that's affecting their plans for this summer. So without further ado, here is Craig Hislop of 610 AM KVNU uh, with uh, Green Canyon head football coach, Craig Ander. In this time of the pandemic, high school sports are underway. They're practicing in the Valley, and I assume probably all around the state. And we wanted to talk to Craig Ander, the head football coach at Green Canyon, fourth year there, 11 years at Skyview. Tell us how things are going. How long have you been in, I guess, what you call practices with your football team? Um, yeah, Craig. Um we have we started just after Memorial Day, when the governor opened the state up more than what it was, and uh, the Utah High School Association said that we could start getting together and doing some uh, athletic activities. We have certain restrictions, but um, ever since Memorial Day, we've been doing things off and on and trying to help kids get back in shape and and get outside and play and have some fun. So what? I, I know you have to do it in some kind of group sizes. What are you doing each day or maybe a couple times a week? How does it work? So for us, we are we can lift weights in the morning, and we can only have groups of 24. 
And so we've divided up. We've got four different groups that come in and lift weights um, in the morning. And then a couple of evenings a week we get together and we're starting to do some practices. But at those practices, we separate. We have offense on one side, defense on one side, and then freshmen over on another field so that we don't have more than 50 together at any one time. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's, it's different. It's unique. Uh, we're trying to maintain some good social distancing and, and do it as, as the state has mandated and as the health department has mandated uh, so that we can stay safe and yet still play and learn the game of football. Now, how different is it, Coach, than a year ago when we didn't have all these restrictions? In other words, were you would you be taking about the same amount of time starting at this point in the season? Would you have started earlier? How How was it a year ago? Well, every year, the Utah High School Association allows you to have three days of full padded practice during the summer. And so what we have done in the past is we'll have uh, but then leading up to that, you have to have um, you have to acclimate to the equipment. So you'll have to wear three days with a helmet and three two days with shoulder pads, and then you could go to three days of full pads. So it's about two weeks of practices. So every year we have two weeks of summer practices um, to teach our new system. Now, usually we try to do those weeks back to back, and and then give kids a little more time for family vacations and things like that but this year because of the, the lateness in which we got started we decided not to do that and and so we'll put in about the same amount of time but we're going to do it over a longer period of time um we did start a little later a lot of times we start in you know towards the end of april first of may we'll start getting some kids out throwing the football around and just getting used to to the quarterbacks throwing arm getting going and and catching some footballs when a kid can come out, and uh, but uh, we didn't do any of that till after Memorial Day this year. But I think we'll end up putting in about the same amount of time, which is important because that allows us to prepare the kids to play football. Uh, you know, if we didn't put in this time, a, a, a young man would be very prone to injury and probably wouldn't be prepared to play football and, and be successful health-wise or or just in the game. So, do you have a set start? date for what we call fall practice? Yeah. Uh, the Utah High School Association says that uh, uh, we're going to go, we're planning on going to the normal schedule, uh, which this year will start the first Monday, excuse me, the last Monday of July is when we will start fall camp, and uh, we will still have our games there on about that Oh, about that second Friday in August should be our first game, if I'm doing my math right off the top of my head. But uh, right around that August 15th time, whenever that Friday is, uh, we're planning on having our first game. So these rules that you're playing by, or the guidance from the Utah High School Activities Association, applies to everybody. So every football school in the state is probably underway now, uh, and um, we'll be following the same guidance as every other football team roughly uh, well i think so you know without having talked to all of them i do know some schools started later is they opened it up and then they said each region uh each school district and even each area like health department area was all going to have a say in that and i do know of some programs in salt lake that were scheduled to start a little later in june i think they've started now 
Um, but I do know that there was some different start times because they wanted to, to look at the situations of each of the areas. And then I know our school district got together to decide and have a plan of action so that our district was all, um, and, and, and our region, not only our district, but also our region was, was, was playing with, um, at the same pace and with a level playing field. With the coronavirus now, is there testing that you do with the athletes? Yes. Um, every time uh, we start a practice, uh, we have a list of questions, uh, which is uh, the symptoms of coronavirus that we ask the athletes and they need to respond to, and then we also take their temperature. If uh, we haven't had any occurrences uh, that I'm aware of at Green Canyon so far, we, we hope not to. But uh, if, if anybody says they're feeling any of the symptoms and or have a temperature, uh, then we'll immediately send them home and, and they will uh, come back as soon as they've been tested and, and got a doctor's note that they are clear of the coronavirus. So I think there's a lot of precautions being taken to help reduce the chances of spreading. Um, I don't know if anything's foolproof. But uh, I, I feel like we've, we've done a lot to try and make sure the safety of the kids and the safety of the kids' families are, 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 are being looked after. Are other sports uh, underway now? Yeah, you, you know, a lot of high school sports will do club sports in the summer. So I know our baseball team's been playing some games. Our softball team has been playing games. Uh, I know our lacrosse team has a club organization, and they've been playing uh, some, 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 when I say games, maybe it's more like scrimmages or summer scrimmages. Uh, also, our basketball teams have been able to practice. Um, my daughter's on the girls' basketball team at Green Canyon, and she had a scrimmage tonight with uh, Mountain Crest. And they didn't want parents there, so we dropped her off, and, and they streamed it live on Facebook. We were able to watch her play and, and participate in that scrimmage, so... Uh, you know, they're still trying to use some social distancing, but uh, I think uh, all or most of the sports are, are attempting to do some things that they would normally do in the summer or adjust it given the conditions, but that normally do things in the summer or seeking to do things. And again, we're talking with Craig Ander, the head football coach at Green Canyon. What do you think the season will be like in the era of the pandemic? What will games be like? Are they going to be the same as they were before? You know, I, I, that's a good question. I know there's still some talk on on um, on anything that could change. I know I've I've received questions from the state in the form of a questionnaire on would we play if fans didn't come to the game, or would we restrict the number of fans? So I know those discussions have been had. Uh, I don't know that anything has been decided upon yet. As they're waiting to see what uh, what the conditions are. Um, so are things going to be different? You know, I I, I don't know yet. It, it's kind of we've it, grown into this this recent era in the last few months of you really don't know what we're going to be doing tomorrow because uh, something may happen today that's going to change how we do things tomorrow. So we're taking it day by day and 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 just kind of we're hoping. Uh, you know, the kids are hoping. I think I think people are hoping that we can get back to some kind of normalcy. Um, and, and I just think high school sports are, is a great way to do that, and we're hoping we can do that this year. 
When we talked earlier today, you said it's just great to have the kids out and running around after all this being cooped up. And I I think that's true for all of us. And I think we're all excited for sports to begin again. And this is your 15th year as a head football coach in this valley. And I'm guessing that it might be the most unusual. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, it's been the most unusual springtime and, and early summertime for sure. But, uh, you know, I just, to see those kids smile again and to interact with them, uh, that's why that's why I coach and, and why I teach, and, and I miss that for the last few months. And so to interact and be with them is just, it's it's really put a, 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 a bounce in my step. And, and, and I've seen it in the kids. They're excited to be out, and they're eager to, to just be involved and engaged and, and doing things and pursue goals that they have. So... I sure think it's been great to have them out and doing things. I think it's been great for their mental health, but also physically, emotionally. Um, it's been great for all of us to, to do some of this. Well, we appreciate you taking some time. I think a lot of people, uh, as fans in general in this Valley, want to know what's going to happen next. And we'll be following their favorite team and hopefully the Aggies. And I think we're all ready to go. Coach, thanks. Hey, thanks, Craig. It's always great talking to you. And hopefully we can See on the football field this fall. We're counting on it. We are counting on it. We're hoping for it as well. Great job by Craig Hislop, and big thanks to Coach Craig Ander uh, for joining Mr. Hislop in uh, in that interview. Uh, a lot to take from it. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we are seeing some summer scrimmages uh, being played. I've seen some baseball games. You have the basketball scrimmages being uh, streamed on Facebook uh, for uh, parents to watch. Um, it's and then yeah, you were talking. You were just telling me during the interview here. We had our mics off like they have someone at the front doors to test the kids or temperature the kids who are coming into the school. Yeah, I know. Just with my kids have had some things this summer at the school that they have to do and or they're participating in. And before you can do anything, there's somebody there taking your temperature before you can get in there and get involved and participate. Because uh, and you know, kudos to the school district for taking it seriously and and uh, trying to isolate people uh, if they're sure showing any symptoms. So it doesn't cause any more issues for everybody else. Uh, another interesting thing for that, uh, by the way, is is just will there be fans of football games? And I want to make sure that I I'm going to go ahead and throw a plug in for Cash Valley Media Group because uh, they are one of the best to be able to do it. They cover the Region 11 football and athletics so darn well. Uh, but if you are unable to go to a game for whatever reason, Cash Valley. Radio Network will have the games for you. Each school will be covered. Bear River, Green Canyon, Skyview, Logan, Ridgeline, Mountain Crest. They will all be covered so you're able to uh, uh, stay right up to date with the action going on for football and for basketball. And Eric and I will do our very best to make sure we cover and recap those games and preview those games uh, for you as well. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, it's it's a fun segment we got coming up here. We're going to talk about our two favorite Aggie football teams. Ever. We'd love to hear yours. Text in at 435-339-0321. We'll talk about how the conversation came up, what the uh, if there's any guidelines or any rules, and between our two teams that Eric has and I have, which team would win? We've also got some responses on Twitter. We'll get to those as well. It's 1069 FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
Eric France and LJ South to full court press. Uh, some Shams is just eating Woj alive right now. He's got a, the details. On a kebab stick. Uh, there's major deets coming out of from Shams, uh, who's of The Athletic, with some NBA, uh, I guess, NBA resuming, resume, resumption of the season news. Uh, I want to share and uh, send my condolences uh, to the NBA players who are not going to be taken care of like they thought they would. <laughs> uh, that they'll only have, Eric, I, this is horrible to hear. Um, they're only going to get a 24-hour VIP concierge. Uh, the only daily entertainment is movie screenings, DJ sets, video games, ping pong, pool, and lawn games. Uh, they they can only attend other games. Their their hotel am- amenities are, are are atrocious. It's a players only lounge. That's NBA 2K, TVs and gaming. They only get pools and trails and barbers. Uh, they they have to suffer through a manicurist and a pedicurist. And these hotels are not big enough. The Grand Destino is very small. There's not a lot of water. There's no. There's very few stairs. Um, they have. They'll have to suffer through like movie screenings and DJ sets. I'm. Yeah. Lawn games. Exactly. I. I. I feel for Kyrie Irving and and for all these guys who have to go to Florida. This is a very very tough tough scene for the NBA players and guys. Hang in there. Hang tough. <laughs> like we're we're yeah we're making fun, but like if you're gonna be stuck in a place for two three months. You, it would behoove the NBA to try to make it as comfortable or as interesting as possible. So, give us the deets of what's going on here, because I'm I'm not I'm I'm way behind right now. So, this is what is interesting. So, there are three hotels, there's three uh, resorts where teams will be staying, and what I find interesting is that they how they're grouping the teams. So, at the Grand Destino, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Uh, that that's correct. Um, that's uh, teams one through four in the East and the West. So it's the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, and Heat from the East. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Jazz from the West. All will be in the Grand Destino. In the Grand Floridian, you've got the Thunder, 76ers, Rockets, Pacers, Mavericks, Nets, Grizzlies, and Magic. And then in the Yacht Club, which perhaps it's the smallest thing and they need to clear out their space quicker. That's the Blazers, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, Suns, and Wizards. So, now, as you said, there will be some opportunity for scrimmage to play against other teams that reside in the same hotel. So the Jazz could scrimmage against the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, the Clippers, Celtics, Nuggets, and Heat. So Interesting. That's, oh, that's, oh so that's who they scrimmage against in those three games. Yes. Oh... Uh, Sham Sarania also uh, has shared uh, some images of the arenas where these uh, teams will be playing um, and uh, where they'll be working out. Um, by the way, the Grand Destino, that kind of looks like kind of looks like the Bellagio, actually. Uh, pictures that I'm seeing. But anyway, there's the arena the HP Fieldhouse, and the Visa Athletic Center where teams can uh, work out and play. There are some there are uh, opportunities for seating. Um, but the other thing that, they've, that he is saying is that um, teams will be limited to 35 people, 35-person travel party. So that can include 
obviously your players and your coaches, but also the athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach, equipment manager, a team security official. Uh, and each team can, and according to Shams, each team can include a player's private personal trainer, massage therapist, or security. Hey, so we were just talking about media too. Like it's gonna be kind of interesting how they handle radio and TV, um, and and who they allow in, and and then beat writers as well. If if they do allow a beat writer to come in to cover the team, yeah, I almost wonder if they will have some area like after the game or before the game where the player sits down and will have a camera there and they'll have a monitor and everybody will participate like on a Zoom conference. And, okay, here are all the beat writers from Salt Lake all gathered together to talk to Rudy Gobert. And then when he's done, he leaves. And then Donovan Mitchell sits down in front of the screen of all these faces, and they get to ask him the different questions. So it's more of a virtual scrum than a literal one. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not saying that's what's been discussed, but I would imagine that's maybe a possibility that they would still – how they would handle limiting people within the bubble – but still allowing access to the players. Now, what about your play-by-play guys for radio or television? Yeah, that's another one. Do do they get to be in the bubble? Do they just have uh, they provide them with the footage of uh, the the full court view, and they're required to call the game on a video screen, or are they actually going to let them be there? So, still a lot of questions that haven't yet been answered. But the way Shams is throwing stuff out this afternoon, I wouldn't be surprised if we have those answers by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, he's, he's taking charge of this one. Hey, Eric, we got about five minutes left. Let's go ahead and get to it. We Yesterday, after the show, we were, we were doing some, some browsing and uh, you know, saying how we want to do today's show. And we came up with the idea of, of, of all the great Aggie football seasons with this next one coming up. What was your favorite Aggie football season ever? And then you started having a discussion with me, and then you said, you know, I think this year. And I'm like, well, I think this year. And we thought, well, why not put it out there? Your favorite Aggie football season. If you want to join in, you can at 435-339-0321. What is your favorite Aggie football season ever? Now, before we get to Eric and I, we also had a uh, uh, a tweeter come in. Uh, at Gregor's 1868 says, 2011, after being a freshman at USU in 97, I waited through so many dark football years, like the rest of us, to finally have some fun again. Even though the win total wasn't as big as 12 or 18, that season still holds a special place in my football heart as a as the turnaround season. Now, he makes a great point. It may not have had as many wins and losses, but it definitely was a turnaround season. And in fact, I think we can point to that Hawaii game, the second half of that Hawaii oh, yeah, the game. Comeback. Yeah. In the comeback, uh, it Chucky Keaton got hurt. Adam Kennedy came in, turned things around. They got the win, and they didn't lose after that. And they just got on a roll, and that really set the stage for the following year, which for me was a little more exciting year and a more impactful year. The last year from Gary Anderson, well, first go around, uh, <laughs> and just there was the the feeling that season that they could play against and compete with and almost beat anybody that they faced. And they were five points away from being undefeated. Isn't that crazy? Hey, I don't remember the BYU 6-3 game. Why did the taste like what happened? Was oh, it just all defense? such a defensive battle. Neither offense could get going. It was hard to watch uh, if you're an offensive guy, but for watching those defenses go after each other, it was it was amazing. 
They also had that win against Utah, the 27-20 win at Utah State, where uh, I remember actually being in the studio right next to us and listening to Al Lewis call that game and just hearing Al's excitement about beating Utah was really cool. In overtime, yep. maybe a little controversial about the winning yeah, touchdown or what, say so. something got taken away from Utah. But. And then from excitement to heartbreak, you go to Wisconsin and you're a field goal away from, doing, you know, from beating a Big Ten team, a quality Big Ten team, and he shanks it. And I don't think it was even close either, Eric. Uh, it was, yeah. I mean, it was within range. He could have done it. It just, it just didn't work out that night. So they they lose to Wisconsin by two. Uh, there's the the three point loss at BYU, but everybody else they beat. Um, and there were some close games along too. the way. I mean, the Utah game was an overtime game. They went to Louisiana Tech, who was ranked top twenty-five. That was wild. Beat them in overtime. That was an exciting. But finish. did they have like a twenty point lead and blew it? Yeah. They, Aggies had this big lead and then lost the lead and then had to go to overtime just to finish it off. Yeah, that was because that, that was a top 25 team. They were a legit program, uh, La Tech was that year. So that was a big deal for USU to do that. Yeah, they had a few powder puffs in the middle there that season, but you know what? They destroyed them like they should have. Yeah. For me, it's 2018. It's because of the running gun offense. The points that they put up were just, uh, I mean, incredible. It leads off with the game in East Lansing where they're this close from beating Michigan State. An athletic play by the right defensive end, picking off a Jordan Love pass, put it to bed. But 38-31 was the final. But team, but people knew that this season was going to be special. They throttled New Mexico State 60-13. They beat Tennessee Tech 73-12 to behind a record-setting night from Dominant Eberle. Air Force they beat in a wild one, 42-32. They romp BYU 45-20. In Provo. Yep, on a heck of a day from uh, Jordan Love. UNLV, uh, they get they they breeze by. Wyoming, yeah, Wyoming was a tough one. They get through that one. New Mexico, Hawaii, they also beat. And then came, uh, after San Jose, winning against San Jose State, they then play Colorado State. Uh, and they get to win there uh, in a controversial win. Yep. Uh, uh, Eric says they technically lost. You know, Gage Ferguson came in and said that's not the case. <laughs> uh, and then came Boise State in a really, really, really tough one to swallow. Uh, lost 33-24. But I remember going into that game, there was conversation of New Year's Six Bowl. Utah State in a New Year's Six Bowl? What the heck? And then, of course, they lose 33-24. They finish off the season with the bowl win against North Texas, minus Matt Wells, 52-13. to Well, it, it really wasn't a lot of time difference between those two Two seasons. I mean, within six years apart, you had two teams that only had two losses, and both those those games that they lost were very competitive, and they easily could have won. So uh, the Utah State football program has, had, has seen some great things. Love to see them get back to that, and I think they can. Yeah, I don't know that that's going to happen this year. In fact, pretty confident that that's not going to happen this Be year. Patient, but it could. All right, for Eric France, I'm Audrey Salveson. Thanks for joining us on Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Reports about positive tests for coronavirus keep coming in throughout the sports world. Maybe the biggest active name is Ezekiel Elliott, who was part of a report involving multiple Cowboys and Texans yesterday. Then another report came out about baseball players and staffers. Denver head coach Mike Malone said he had the virus back in March. And several college football programs have had positive tests as well. It's the new reality of sports and the biggest challenge leagues face. 
release. Team sports are all about being together mentally, but more specifically, physically. Players are close together in the locker room, meetings, travel, and of course, on fields and on courts. We're seeing these long, detailed safety guidelines. They're loaded with creative ideas and good intentions, but none of them completely jive with the reality of sports. The recent positive tests are just a reminder. Reopening sports isn't going to be about perfection. It's going to be about trying as hard as possible to stay safe while doing an activity that isn't exactly easy to control. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.